on this episode, it's the last title review for America Sweetheart Month. There's a massacre in, you guessed it, Texas. Everything is bigger and bloodier in Texas. There is lots and lots of lipstick and lots of doctorly advice. A guy gets ran over by a truck at least 20 times. And howling or grunting or whatever the fuck noise that is by Matthew McConaughey. This is a movie Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger didn't want you to see. But before we talk specifics, let's jam. All I need some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Thanks again, gang, for tuning in. I'm your host, Steve Pfeiffer, and this is my show, Guilty Pleasure Movies. And I rewatch and review movies that are not so great, but still a soft spot in my heart. And today we're talking a so-called cult classic. It's the fourth installment of a very well-known horror franchise, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. And it was originally going to be released back in 94, but the studio shelved it because... They knew it was a pile of shit. But their stars, Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, just a couple years later after filming, had did a couple of big titles that they became famous off of. So the studio had to cash in on it. And they were going to do this big old release, but the stars stepped in and said, hey, you do that and we'll never work with you again, so don't even fucking try it. The studio had panicked a little bit. They decided to do a little small release, but the film was a fucking stinker. And it's kind of gained a cult following just because it is attached to that whole Texas Chainsaw franchise, which has done titles since then, of course. And so people don't want to miss anything within that that timeline or that series or whatever. But um, it, like I said, it's got a little bit of a cult following. The main stars have kind of brought a different crowd to it. So eh, if you haven't checked it out, I'll tell you why you should at least consider it. So it is written and directed by Kim Hinkle. And that's a man, baby. And so, yes, yes, Mr. Kim Hinkle is the writer and director, and it's actually his only director credit, and he is actually the creator of the characters for Texas Chainsaw, so this is definitely his baby. You know, he's been involved from the first one up until the most recent one, just in 2017. You know, very involved through and through. He's got a couple of other titles mixed in, you know, his filmography, as far as writing credits and all that shit, but nothing that's well known. So he pretty much sticks to the fucking franchise. It does, of course, star McConaughey and Zellweger. We know and love these two lovely blonde bombshells, of course. I'm not a huge fan of the Bridget Jones, but I did appreciate her and me, myself, and Irene. So she's got a few good hits mixed in there. Even though she did leave the scene for quite some time and came back to do Bridget Jones. So got to go back a while to go ahead and see anything good, if you ask me. Anyways, Leatherface, you may ask, who plays him? And it's Robert Jacks. And R.I.P., sad to say, but... He had a couple of other very small roles, you know, in his career, but this is the one he's most well-known for. And he does have a little bit of a cult following of his own because of his interpretation of Leatherface. It's very unique. I'm going to add that now, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Anyways, hey, wrestling fans, there is a fun little cameo. And I noticed this on the cast and crew because I was like, who is that blonde? And it's actually at the pizza scene, the pizza place restaurant that they go to, which we'll definitely talk about that hot mess of a fucking scene. She plays a cop. It's actually Deborah McMichael. So wrestling fans, maybe she'll jump off the top rope for us. And this film has a runtime of right at 87 minutes. It's short and sweet, just the way I like it. Most films can and should have a runtime of 90 minutes or less. God damn it. That's just the way it should be. But there is actually an extended version of 94 minutes out there. I think it's only available in Canada, so it doesn't have the wide release. If you want to check out the extended scenes, um, they are, of course, available on YouTube. Just kind of use your imagination of putting the whole film together. So, And 
God, I mean, 87 minutes, and it still felt like torture. Oh, my God. It was, it was almost as bad as being chased by a dude with a chainsaw. I'm just going to say that now, trying to get through it in one sitting, that is. But I did find myself pausing just a couple of times to get to that countdown to the finish. Like, man, when the fuck is this shit going to get over? But all in all, it does it by kind of quick. You know, you look forward to Leatherface's scenes and just all the crazy shit of this whole family that's involved. But it only has a, or has a budget of only $600,000, so barely anything and you know Renee Zellweger actually did an interview just a few years back you know she didn't want anything to do with this title for the longest time she was just too embarrassed by it but you know finally she had an appreciation for it and did a little interview where she admitted hey it was so low budget that everyone had their own stunts they used a real chainsaw there were no props and the acting was not really acting it was just them sincerely running for their lives and trying not to get hurt so I can kind of appreciate the charm that it adds to the film just for that alone and you think, hey, that's a pretty low budget. They might be able to make a buck or two, but heh, like I said, the stars wanted nothing to do with this film and basically wanted to, to remain canned because they got famous and didn't want to ruin the momentum they had going. So it didn't get that wide release. It did make about $100,000 off the few uh, cities that it did get released to, but it eventually earned a profit just basically off of the VHS rentals and the DVD purchases years later. So... And you guys know I love talking posters, so this one is very interesting. So it's actually Robert Jacks. He's got the Leatherface mask on. He's holding the chainsaw, but he's wearing lingerie, and he's sitting in the corner of some dark room. So I'm thinking this is going to be a new take on a classic story, huh? And so, and so yeah. Anyways, it's a little bit different, and I don't want to dive you know too much far into that because we'll talk about the specifics of that in the show. The VHS cover is the one, to me, honestly, that kind of stood out the most and the one that I really remember. It's a cartoon image of a lady putting on lipstick, but the lipstick is a chainsaw, so it's just that and the two stars name and the, you know, the font at the top and the title at the bottom. But, you know, the image is easy to remember and it's pretty effective, even if it does, it does seem kind of silly at times. And it really fit the time. You know, the poster does give a more creepy vibe. But I still prefer this cover for the VHS. And the DVD cover is just shit. It's just Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Their faces with a small shot of Leatherface. So it looks it's, looks just real shitty. It's just a few little snips from the movie that they just kind of poorly slapped on there. And basically went to bank off the actors' names, if you will. So time to talk the trailer, though. And we get a young Renee Zellweger. She's running around in the woods at nighttime. Never a good idea. But she's looking for help when a truck shows up. But then we see her running from the truck at full speed. Next thing, a shot of Leatherface wielding his infamous chainsaw around. Then a shot of Matthew McConaughey and a few of absolutely insane quotes. So the viewer definitely knows they are in for a wild and crazy ride. There's people thrown out windows, you know, meat hooks as weapons. And Matthew McConaughey versus Renee Zellweger. The trailer ends with a shot of Leatherface dressed up as a woman. So I like, you know, the title of the next generation because it clearly is trying to speak to a new audience. The kids of, you know, people that saw the original film in, in theaters 20 plus years prior. They're trying to go ahead and get them to see the fucking franchise now. The trailer actually looks halfway decent. You can tell it's somewhat low budget, but I wouldn't guess less than a million bucks, to be honest. And, you know, the fact that they waited until after, you know, the two stars got famous and allowed them to really highlight them in the trailer, which does make it seem like a better movie than it turned out to be. Uh, so, spoiler, the trailer is good, but the film, not so much. But you're saying, if this doesn't sound so good, why the fuck is it a guilty pleasure movie? And I'll be honest... This is only my second or maybe third time viewing and probably, you know, the first time in, you know, dozen to maybe 20 fucking years. It's been a while, guys. But I remember seeing the VHS cover on the shelf a lot and had always been a horror fan. And like I said earlier, the cover did a great job of catching my eye. And so I finally worked up the courage to take it home. And, you know, after I became an even bigger horror fan at that time and in particular, especially the, the slashers uh, subgenre. And I have to admit, you know, that this was actually the first Texas Chainsaw movie I even saw the whole franchise. And then I saw that second one, which is kind of garbage, pretty much. But it's that one with Dennis Hopper, which has an amazing poster for it, though. It's parodying The Breakfast Club. So definitely Google that if you haven't checked it out. It's fucking amazing. 
but I really misjudged this franchise by watching the worst one first before I got to that good stuff last. So I kind of worked, you know, my way from, you know, what was out at the time, the most recent one, this one, and then worked my way back, if you will. I've never actually seen the third one, to be honest. I've heard it's fucking terrible and really different than the rest of the series, so I may have to check it out on, except for going back and watching this one. So, And I haven't seen the newest Leatherface, so I'm definitely wanting to see that. It looks fucking nuts, and I love the whole franchise, the remainder of the other ones that I have checked out. So, And even this one's got an appreciation in my heart. So, And I remember thinking the movie was kind of nuts or crazy and just... Lots of stuff was still kind of over my head because I wasn't even a teenager at the time when I first checked it out. I didn't really like it, but I also didn't dislike it. It just kept my attention, and you know I was interested to see how the characters would be killed. So the death scenes are what make this movie, or at least you know, off the wall. Matthew McConaughey and you know all his hooting and hollering, you know he does with the caveman noises or whatever the fuck that shit is. But it's got some awesome moments, you know, and. When I was, you know, deciding which episode to do for the show, you know, I just felt like, hey, you know, I was going to do How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, but I just felt like, hey, that's too easy, and it's too damn similar to everything else I've already done for this month on America's Sweetheart, and you guys voted for him. America's Sweetheart is Matthew McConaughey, so thank you again for that, but, you know, I couldn't do all of, you know, his movies from the mid-2000s, you know, the rom-coms, and you know, not show off his diversity, so I wanted to go back to a title that wasn't so well-known, and... I was going through his filmography, and I stumbled upon this gem, and I don't own it in my collection, and so I kind of check around online, hey, is it on Netflix, is it on, you know, Hulu, and I, I like, you guys know I love Vudu, and they've got their free movies on there, and oddly enough, it's available for free on Vudu, and I know that, you know, I mentioned that usually at the end of the episode, but uh, definitely check out the Vudu app if you haven't already, just to check out this movie for free and all the other ones. You know, it's got a few advertisements, not a whole lot. They're like 19 seconds. Now, one of them is all you get like every 20, 30 minutes. And this being less than 90, it's fucking awesome. You can really kick back and enjoy it. And it kind of gives you a piss break when you need it. So, and I really recommend doing that if you want to check it out because they're not on there for a long time, the free stuff. It's maybe a couple weeks tops. And if you want to own it, good luck because it's going to cost you. The cheapest one I found online was through Amazon was $55, and they only had that one copy left for a brand new one, and even used ones are just fucking ridiculous. So no need to dive into that $5 bin, you know, at Wally World, you know, you may get lucky, you find it at a, a secondhand store that sells movies, so happy hunting, or just check it out on Vudu for free. You know, but other than, you know, being able to watch it for free, I just thought this show needed a horror movie you know, or, or what I'm going to call a horrible movie, you know, since I'm a fan of the genre, and I, you know, hope to get lots of more scares in this program in due time, so we'll definitely dive into some scary shit, you know, but it's time to tear apart, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, and, you know, we, of course, get the opening credits, and it's a shot of some text, which is about a paragraph long, and thank God for a narrator, because, you know, the opening scene almost became a homework assignment right off the bat for me. But he does explain, hey, there was a first movie, then two more movies with all these nasty massacres in Central Texas. But during this time, no one was ever apprehended and has not been heard from from five long years. Until now, of course. And so we cut to May 22nd, 1996, the good old days. And we get a shot of Renee Zellweger's fucking bright red lips and she's putting on lipstick and I should say caking this shit on because when she pops up we see her lips and she's they're already super red but she puts on at least 8 to 15 more coats of this shit and so it's just ridiculous and you know, the only thing that stops her from just lathering herself up with even more is her parents yelling for her downstairs so she abruptly stops and she realizes hey I look ridiculous so she wipes it all off and we get to check her all out, the, you know, up and down, and she's very nerdy looking, I might might say, and she's got the big old glasses, just that plain Jane style with frizzy hair and no makeup, just all natural. She's a perfect candidate for the Freddie Prince, and she's all that, if you ask me. So maybe a to be continued on that one. We'll see. So, anyways, it's prom night for Renee Zellweger. She just puts on this big old poofy dress and heads downstairs, and her mom's taking some photos of her with this fucking giant camera. She's got her date, which is some goofy tall motherfucker with a classic 90s bowl cut, so gotta love the fucking bowl cuts, but his is just, ugh. 
And he's actually so tall that he has to get, you know, kind of bend down on his goddamn knees just so that her faces are both in the, the fucking picture. So apparently she's dating Sean Bradley before he was in the NBA. That's what this guy reminds me of, some seven-foot-six motherfucker. But cut to the prom, we see a character named Heather, and she's searching for her boyfriend, Barry. And these will be two of the main characters as well. And she pops out from the dance. You know, she asks that lady that's checking people in, Hey, have you seen my boyfriend? Has he showed up yet? And the teacher kind of replies with something very strange. She says, I thought you guys broke up. And I'm thinking, what the fuck school is there where the teachers give a shit about when students break up or who's dating who the fuck ever? And gee, many Christmas, this movie is already off to an utterly bad beginning. But let's continue this, sh- this shit storm, shall we? And, you know, she goes outside looking for her boyfriend, Barry. And so she eventually catches him, but he's making out with some other gal. So this guy's a friggin' sleazeball. And she's fucking pissed. He, you know, he ditches this this mistress of his and runs after Heather's gal to try to salvage this bullshit high school sweetheart relationship. And this dude has big balls, you know, pulling a stunt like that at the prom, you know, right out in the open. You know, granted, they're outside where most people are not, but... He wasn't doing a very good job of hiding, that's for sure. You know, she jumps in her car and storms out of there. And she almost crashes into a fucking, like, a dozen other cars. So she's just fucking horrible driver, even after a traumatic incident like that. But, you know, he chases her down. He manages to hop inside the vehicle. And she instantly fucking takes off and, you know, hits zero to 60 in about five seconds flat. It's amazing. You know, he tries to tell her, what's the big deal? It was only one kiss. And he fucking flips the script. He starts calling her possessive. She won't let him even hang out with his friends. All he wants to do is make out with some other girls. You know, maybe a little more. But fuck off, you controlling bitch. That's basically the gist of it. You know, he even tells her that old infamous line that guys need sex. He tells her blue balls lead to prostrate cancer. And yes, he said prostrate Whatever, okay, my goodness. And by the way, this couple is the worst two actors in history. You can tell this guy is trying to remember his lines by almost looking around at times nervously like, you know, I don't want to fuck up my lines. Did I get it right? So he's just kind of all over the place. And and her delivery, gee, many Christmas. That $600,000 budget definitely was given to, to the two stars, most of that. So, and I'd say maybe these actors were paid 100 bucks in lunch. Because that's about all they're fucking worth. Anyways, you know, out comes Renee Zellweger and her boyfriend. They're hiding in the backseat of this car. They hear this bullshit line about the prostrate cancer. She pops up, you know, like a a mole in that whole whack-a-mole game. And she calls this guy, you know, hey, you're a shitty actor and you're an idiot for feeding this girl lies. And this causes her to get into an accident because it just startles the shit out of her. But rather than stop to make sure things are okay, she just pulls a hit and run. And they pretend like nothing just happened and go back to talking about blue ball. So, and there's not really much talk about the fucking hit and run. It's just like, what the fuck? Was that even necessary at that point in time? Like, why do they do that? So, anyways, these kids are shitty drivers. And so, they're talking blue balls. And he tells Renee that, fuck you, my dad's a doctor. This crap he tells his patients or some nonsense that the best prescription for anything is lots of sex. And his girlfriend, Heather, she tries to blame herself. She says, you know, I'm not DTF, you know, I'm not down to fuck. And so he has every right to go make out with other girls at the prom because, you know, I don't want him to get cancer and all of his hair to fall out. And that's exactly what she fucking says. And Jesus Christ. I don't know if I can sit through another 80 minutes, but let's keep rolling along. We get Renee's boyfriend and date, Sean, and he chimes in. He calls this guy an asshole. They've been buddies for a while. He says, hey, when we were younger, Barry, he would lie to girls. He'd say, hey, my dad's a doctor, and that if you don't let me fill you up, then you're going to get breast cancer. So Barry says, you know, fuck those dumb girls. You know, it's, they fell for it, so that's on them. So this guy's a freaking wicked genius, dude. Heather, you know, she tries to change the subject. She says, what if we just crashed head on right now and all died? I'm thinking, yes, please, for the love of God, that's the best goddamn ending to this film. Let Leatherface just come in driving some fucking school bus or whatever and take these young assholes out of their misery. So, and my misery, gee, many Christmas. 
but Barry just tells her to shut up, and so that'll have to do. <laughs> Anyways, cut to them taking a wrong turn somewhere, and they get lost on a country road, and suddenly another car, car comes out of nowhere and just plows into the side of them. You know, they all seem fine, but when they go to check on the driver of the other car, he hops out and he says he's fine, but then he just fucking drops out and drops to the ground and passes out cold. I, like, what the fuck? That, that was random, but... You know, Barry tries to get back in the car so they can drive off, but it won't start. And Renee Zellweger suggests they go look for a phone to call an ambulance, so she's going to try to do the fucking right thing. And so on their journey, you know, they find the corpse of what looks like a dead dog. It's all uh, it's all gutted and rotting, pretty fucking sick shit. So it looks like the fun is about to begin. So yeah, going out in the fucking woods, you, come, you stumble upon some dead animal corpses. Yeah, keep going, guys. That's the right idea. Anyways, they spot a little random trailer that is actually the office of some business, and they're literally in the fucking middle of nowhere, so not sure why you'd want to have a business office out there. Can't be good, I'm sure. And the lady inside is played by the teacher-slash-stripper from Varsity Blues. Yes, that lady, and she looks amazing here, too, with her mid-90s hairdo and fucking smoking hot bod but anyways she notices renee zellweger's looking at her boobs and tells her you know they were a good deal and helped double her sales for the business so tops off to this lady and she calls someone to help them out and you know about the, with their stalled vehicle and she says yep helps on in the way but right after she hangs up the phone this fucking rock just randomly comes smashing through the window of this trailer the side of the window and but she thinks nothing of it she goes over to the window and she flashes these giant boobs to a car that's driving off. And she says, you dumb kids and your pranks. And she tells this group of people, they'll do anything to get me to flash my titties. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, what is this movie is all over the place. And honestly, each new character that comes on screen is more batshit crazy than the last. Seriously. I don't know if that was the intent, but that seriously is what it felt like. And, you know, the dialogue just gets worse and at times makes no fucking sense, which will definitely be a trend through this entire movie. So you're totally caught off guard and thinking, what the hell movie did I just pop in? But we'll talk more about that. But yeah, definitely that that's the character development we get. Whoa. Anyways, we cut to Matthew McConaughey pulling it up in his tow truck where that uh, stall vehicle's at. Uh, and only Sean decided to remain back and, you know, hang back with the car, but also, you know, keep an eye on the guy they fucking plowed into them or whatever, make sure he doesn't die. So, and like I said, the characters keep getting weirder. And Matthew McConaughey, he's got on some kind of a robotic leg cast with all these fucking wires running out of it. And, you just hear this robotic noise with each step he takes. So what the shit is that all about? Like, oh my god. Anyways, you know, he's playing. I don't know if he's RoboCop or what the fuck. But he first goes to check on the guy that's passed out and says, well, he's dead. And Sean says, no, nah, he's just passed out. He's he's breathing. So Matthew McConaughey says, well, no, he's dead. And he snaps his fucking neck and says, yep, told you so. And so Sean is freaked the fuck out and says, what are you doing, Matthew McConaughey? Which he just replies, I'm going to kill you. And there's no sense in running for me and my robot leg. You know, but, you know, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. This movie's nuts. Anyway, Sean bolts down the road. Matthew McConaughey just casually gets back in his truck and goes to track down this guy and be a man of his word. Try to fucking just kill a little dude. But he catches up to Sean who is totally winded, hands on his knees. You know, Matthew McConaughey lets out a nice redneck laugh. The kid's begging for mercy, says, What can I do, mister, to make you stop? And Matthew McConaughey tells him, You're shit out of luck, kid. And those are his exact words, so you know he means business. So Sean has his only fucking choice to bolt, and he tries to outrun a fucking motor vehicle where he's wearing a prom tux, so good fucking luck, kid. And he does... You know, he drives a truck in reverse, McConaughey that is, and eventually runs the kid over. He then proceeds to back up and drive over him at least 25 times. And they don't show the gore 
only the truck from a distance, but you do see it running over this bumpy thing, like, repeatedly, so, like, we get the point. Gee, many Christmas, so <laughs> it's entertaining, I'll add that, but, but we need the blood and guts. That's definitely the biggest problem with this film. The franchise is well known for the scares, but also the blood, and we don't get any of those in this film. Maybe a few little, you know, on the edge of your seat moments, but no real genuine scares and definitely no fucking blood and gore and guts. Gee, many Christmas. We're missing out. Anyways, cut back to that strange trailer with the big breasted lady and the three prom goers. You know, they thank her for her help. She tells him, don't worry about that tow truck driver. He talks the talk, but he doesn't walk the walk kind of a thing or whatever. So they just kind of, whatever lady. And they go on their way back to the vehicle and Heather keeps saying she has this feeling someone is out there in the woods so she knows what's up suddenly a car shows up on the road and they try to hitch a ride but the car just won't slow down just kind of swerves around them and which what do they do naturally what anybody would do right you chase the fucking car right no just dumb and so why the hell would you do that rather than just stick to the path is what i'm thinking the person driving is obviously not very nice or caring because they swerved right past without helping. So what good are they going to honestly do for you? And we get Renee Zellweger. She decides to go back and try to find the vehicle. She kind of splits from the group. And on the way, she stops after hearing something in the woods. But it turns out it was just some trash bag blowing in the wind. So just one of them little fake scares on the edge of your seat type bullshit. And this movie isn't very scary after this point. It does try to set that somewhat of a suspenseful type tone with the music and the dark lighting and all that. And for such a cheap budget, it doesn't look quite as low quality to what I would expect. So for, it does get a few bonus points for that. It doesn't look too fucking shitty. But anyways, cut back to Heather and Barry, who are surprisingly... They couldn't keep up with this fucking vehicle, so they're just walking all casually. And they're having a conversation. She said, she tries to say, maybe it's not a good idea if we keep following the car to wherever the fuck they're going. You know, they may be killers and want to tie us up in their cellar and torture us. And that that's exactly what she says. So I, like I told you, she's like a fucking mind reader, but she's like the dumbest bimbo, but a mind reader. So who knows what's going on? But she insists, you know, but he insists that is that she's just a bitch who knows nothing. So he's like, fuck you, you're crazy. She gets offended, and she says she just plays dumb to get attention, and they have some strange conversation at this point about how her mom is dating her, hates her dad, and they just stay together because of a certain lifestyle provides, and that's why Heather's a bitch, because she wants to do the same thing, and, um, okay? But once again, this movie derails so much and just adds such bizarre dialogue at times that... It's almost impossible to follow the plot or whatever character development they're going for. But anyways, they stumble upon the truck that wouldn't pick them up earlier. And it's at some house in the middle of nowhere. And they decide to go ahead and knock on the door. Not sure what their goal is here, but I can already predict no good will come. Especially when you're dealing with people in those neck of the woods, literally. So no one answers the door to their knocks. And she tells him, go check out back. And he says, great idea. But of course he has to call her a bitch before he leaves. So they're such a cute couple. You know, high school sweethearts all the way. Now he doesn't see anyone out back. But he hears some music playing from inside. And he's peeking in windows. But he doesn't see anyone. So he goes to snoop around a little bit more. And we cut to Heather sitting on the front porch swing. And she's just kind of hanging out. But then they cut to Renee Zellweger. And she can't find... Or she can't find her date Sean anywhere, and she begins to get worried, especially because her batteries are dying on her flashlight. And then we go back to Heather, that is, in the front porch swing, and we finally get Leatherface. Hey gang, real quick, want to give a big thank you to the creator of our opening and closing theme songs, musical genius Dan Pfeiffer. If you enjoy those tracks, you can listen to them, along with many more of his, at the app Reverb Nation. Search his channel name, Dan Pfeiffer. That's spelled P-F-E-I-F-E-R. Dan the man, thanks again. So both ladies are under distress at this point. We've got Renee out in the woods. She's hearing shit. She knows something's up. And then we've got good old Heather chilling on the front porch with Leatherface just hanging out behind her. She has no fucking clue that he's there. 
He's even playing with the little hair clip thingy, and but she just brushes it off like, ah, oh, it must have been a fly or some shit. And Leatherface, he's a bit of a klutz in this film because he knocks over a broom, which causes her to turn around, and she instantly just freaks the fuck out. And Leatherface starts going nuts and grabs her and starts dragging her in the house, and then she somehow manages to get away and locks herself in her room. But he uses fucking Andre the Giant-like strength to just bust down the door, grabs her. They have a little bit of a struggle, but he eventually does lock her in this big old box and covers it with some giant metal thing, so she has literally no chance to escape. We cut to Barry, and someone spots him outside. It's some hillbilly holding a shotgun and tells Barry to hold it right there. And he hears the screams, but the hillbilly tells him, don't worry about your girlfriend, so... He just keeps his shotgun pointed directly at his fucking face, kind of leads him back over to the house. Barry says, this is kidnapping. You know, he even says his dad is a lawyer and told him that, you know, if you make me go inside the house, that's considered kidnapping. So his daddy's not a doctor. All that advice Barry gives is false. So definitely don't try to use it. It ain't going to work. Anyways, Barry goes inside, but shuts and locks the door right away, leaving that hillbilly outside. So it pulls a little fast one on him. Even calls the guy a dumbass, which I think was just amazing. He starts snooping around the house. You know, it looks kind of like a place at a hoarder's. You know, with just like gross shit stacked freaking everywhere. You know, he's real casual when he's looking around, though. He's like, hey, Heather, where you at? You know, just no big deal. I'm like, what the hell, man? This is obviously some freaky deaky shit, so... He even decides to make a little pit stop in the house, you know, in the bathroom. You know, and this place is disgusting. It's almost as bad as a public restroom. So it's the type of thing where you know you made a mistake if you touch even a knob on the sink because you're going to catch something. I guarantee it. Don't touch anything in here. So, And I noticed Leatherface's bathroom robe hanging up. It's a full body skin from face to toe. You even see a nice nipple on the suit, so bravo on the skinning job there. <laughs> and he finishes pissing, turns around, and sees a soap scum on the tub and almost pukes. Well, maybe it was that rotting corpse that looked like it's been sitting there for just years, not resting in peace anyways, in this disgusting bathtub. So I think that's maybe what caused the vomiting to ensue. But he sees this shit says, I got a bolt, and he runs out of that bathroom, only to be greeted by Leatherface, who smashes his head in with a big old mallet, gives him a few kicks, so he kicks him while he's down, and, and my god, Leatherface is a screamer, he's just screaming the whole time, he does that, it's just, it's super annoying, because it's just really loud, high-pitched scream of all things, and it's just constant, and he drags Barry's body. He goes to try to throw him in that box with Heather. But as soon as he pops open the lid, she fucking takes off. She's not trying to be stuck in there. But Leatherface snatches her up. And he's just sick of farting around, you can tell. So he just tosses her up on this big old meat hook. And she's just hanging out. And cut back to Renee Zellweger. Like I said, she was in the woods freaking out. Her flashlight batteries are dying, so she can hardly see what's going on. And she's in the woods, but suddenly she spots a truck pulling up. It's Matthew McConaughey in his tow truck. And he tells her, hey, I know where your boyfriend is, and get in the damn truck. That's exactly what he says. He has no patience for this shit. He must have had a long fucking work day. So he tells her, get in the damn truck. Let's go get your boyfriend. And... She hops in, oddly enough, she is you can tell look in her face, she's is this guy helping me or being just a total asshole and gonna kill me? So it's gotta be one of the two. There's no gray area. And she does she hops in, tells you know you know, tells her, you know, be careful with getting straight you know, getting in a car with strangers, and that's what he's telling her that, you know, you can't trust anybody these days, and he's starting to tell her some scary stories about hitchhikers that get killed while you know, his voice is getting louder and he starts cursing and just saying nasty words and all this shit. So she's getting really freaked the fuck out. She's scared. She says, I want out now. But he tells her to look in the bed of the truck and she spots, you know, the guy that with that had his neck snapped earlier. And then also her boyfriend and date, Sean, who definitely doesn't look like it was ran over at all. He just looks like you know, these guys look like a couple of assholes hanging upside down with bad haircuts. It looks like all it is. They don't even look like they've been mutilated by any means. So where's the frickin' gore when you need it? But she hops out of the car. 
Walt's moving to escape, and he pops in some rad 80s uh, rock music and goes on a wild Zellweger hunt. So he's just jamming out to some fucking 80s rock in the early 90s. So, <laughs> And he's trying to go chase her down, and she hides behind a bunch of trees, and he just says, fuck it, I'm going to let you go, or at least she thinks so. Because here comes Leatherface, and I might add it was a decent little jump scare, so, uh, you know, that fucking chainsaw, as soon as it's fired up, you hear it, and then you spot him, and it just kind of, whoa, you know, you weren't, you were kind of expecting something, but, and possibly even that, but it still gets you, so that's kudos to these guys for the filmmakers on that one jump scare, finally. And, you know, he's cutting down all these fucking trees like it's fucking Christmas in July. And he's screaming like a madman. He chases her through some shallow pond. He's swinging that fucking chainsaw all around, no doubt. And this is where those stunts come in that Zellweger was talking about. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's pretty impressive, you know, in a way. Once, you know, once you kind of... Uh, realized that it was all them and that this chainsaw is totally real. So it's kind of extra awesome in a way, knowing all that and then getting to see it all the way that it turned out. And she seems totally fucking freaked out. I can see what she meant now. That fucking look on her face. She, yeah, I would be running fucking as fast as I can because she gets out of that water and fucking sprints like a goddamn Olympic running or runner just leaving the leather face in the dust at this point. So. She, of course, goes to Leatherface's residence and runs inside. I mean, that's the one house out there. And it's, you know, he isn't too far behind, though, when he busts that, that fucking door down and just chases her upstairs. And she decides to jump through a window and doesn't have a scratch on her, which is rather impressive. You know, busting, busting through all this fucking glass. You'd think you'd get at least one little cut. But no, she's fine. Good to go. You now she lands on the roof of the house and Leatherface chases her up on the roof and onto the front side of the house where she hops on a power line and tries to climb away. But that ain't gonna work because he cuts that shit down with his fucking chainsaw and she just falls right through the roof of a greenhouse. So I'm thinking this place has a fucking greenhouse. They've got it all. So it's super nice. And I might add the exterior of the home isn't that awful. It really isn't. It's actually not too bad. So Leatherface doesn't clean his bathroom, but he does have curb appeal. So she exits the greenhouse when she finally gets comes to and uh, there is Leatherface again, of course. He's never too far behind. He's a fat man, but he's definitely in good shape, I guess you could say. He chases her all through the woods, both on a full dead sprint, so he's definitely not winded yet, and neither is she. She's got that second wind back, if anything, and she ends up back at that trailer of the Varsity Blues lady. And she, she ends up telling Renee Zellweger, hey, calm down, everything's going to be okay. You know, sit down, I'll go check it out, you know, I'll see what's going on, no big deal. And she tells her whoever's messing with Zellweger to just shut, you know, show your face if you got any balls. Come on, Leatherface, you pussy. Basically is what she's getting. She goes outside and looking around. Doesn't spot anything. You don't hear anything. So you're like, where the fuck did Leatherface go? So you, and this lady, she's been suspicious the whole time. So, and we find out that, you know, her name is Darla after all. So the Varsity Blues lady's name is Darla in this film. So Darla walks back inside, tells her the coast is clear. But, you know, Renee just keeps insisting, there's a guy with a chainsaw. He killed my prom date. This isn't good. But, you know, she calls for some different help. Okay, we'll figure out what's going on. And in walks the hillbilly from earlier. And Darla tells her, or you know, tells him to tie her up, but not before he has to smack her around a few times. So Renee just cannot get away from the beat these bad guys. And we find out that this hillbilly's name is actually W.E., which I'm guessing probably stands for whatever, which is literally what I think of this entire fucking film so far. And he tosses her in the trunk of Darla's car. Darla, you know, Darla hops in, goes to hop in the driver's seat, but tells W.E., hey, I'm picking up some pizzas for dinner. You know, so I guess these folks enjoy a nice pizza with maybe some human flesh and some mushrooms on it. Definitely hold the olives, though. And cut to Bud's Pizza. Fucking Bud's Pizza. I mean, only in Texas are you going to get a Bud's Pizza. Not a Mario's or even a Luigi's. Shit, you're near the border. You could even use a name like Pablo's Pizza here, and that would work. But no, they go with Bud's. You know, and that, I would associate that with a fat, sweaty, sleazeball businessman who probably serves up a pretty shitty pizza. But you definitely get the most bang for your buck here at Bud's Pizza because we see the server. He hands her fucking three gigantic-ass pizzas, but he calls them medium, so I'm thinking that's pretty freaking excellent. And anyways, you know, he also notices this loud noise and ruckus coming from the trunk of Darla's car, and he says, man, what's all that noise coming from there? And 
she kind of jokes with him. She says, oh, I just got somebody tied up. They're just wiggling around. You want to see? And he's kind of intrigued, but he's like, ah, I'm at work. I probably shouldn't. But she goes and hops in the back of the, you know, the back of the car, hops out the back of the car and pops open the trunk. And she's insisting, come look, come look. But he's like, no, nah, I'm okay. And anyways, these cops pull up and cue that Deborah McMichael cameo. You know, she pulls up to the drive-thru menu. She even orders some coffee. So she has a line even. That's excellent. And no top rope jumping, unfortunately. But we still get to see her. So that's kind of neat. And she is with a cop buddy, of course, and she tells him, hey, go check out what's going on. That lady's doing something odd in her trunk. And so he goes up. She manages to close it right before he gets there. So he can't see the lady and, you know, Renee struggling in there. He asks her, well, what's going on, ma'am? And he's kind of checking her up and down. And she says, oh, you don't want to know. And she's kind of wiggling her hips and just strutting her shit all over the place. And then she just casually hops back in her car, and he's like, well, fuck it, you know. She can't be doing anything that too bad. The lady looks that sexy, right? And so he's, she just has everybody fucking fooled at this point. And she just cruises off, you know, to go home and enjoy her fucking pizzas. And she's jamming out to some really shitty, it's like Ace of Bass type early 90s music. Some of that god-awful crap that nobody freaking misses. Thank goodness it's not, we don't have that stuff anymore. But anyways, you know, on the way home, you know, she's getting pretty close. She's near the driveway, but she sees Heather, who manages to somehow escape off the hook and kind of drag herself back to that road. But unfortunately for Heather, she bumped into Darla. And Darla's all pissed. She knows one got away. So she just kind of leaves her there and goes home to tell the others, you know, hey, one of them escaped, but I brought home fresh meat for you. So Leatherface goes and grabs Renee Zellweger from inside the trunk. And, you know, he's got his fucking granny skin face on at this point, along with the granny hair, and even has the kitchen apron to complete the wardrobe. So excellent choice there. Anyways, you know, he drags her inside and then Darla, Darla goes inside and she greets her lover boy, Matthew McConaughey. And his character name is Vilmer, by the way. So great name for him. That's Vilmer. That's awesome. And he's by far, honestly, in my opinion, the best part of this whole movie, Matthew McConaughey, that is. He's really the only good actor in it. Even Renee Zellweger kind of sucked back then. You know, he's just way ahead of everyone else in talent and range, and he's fucking nuts in this film, so he's very entertaining, and he totally stands out more than the rest. And anywho, you know, he gets pissed at Darla, you know, he shoves her, asks why the hell the batteries aren't charged, so I mean, just out of nowhere, that's definitely a good enough reason to slap your loved one around, right? I mean, oh, the batteries aren't charged, we have no remote control, I'm gonna fuck you up. I mean, what the hell, who does some stuff like that? But, you know, only in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, folks. Anyways, Darla starts bickering with W.E. about whatever hillbilly crazy people shit. When Matthew McConaughey, he's just had enough. You know, he shoves them both out of the fucking way. So he's just a madman. And Leatherface, he sets Renee Zellweger down on a chair. And Matthew McConaughey sits on her laps, you know, straddling her. And he starts talking some crazy shit and starts to just choke her out. And he does play a really good, terrifying, creepy asshole. Just like in most of his movies, though, right? So it's a natural fit for him. And, you know, he asks Renee Zellweger if she's having fun yet. And he's about to choke her out completely. But Darla intervenes and does some, you know, he just gets pissed and does some more wife shoving. Just kind of, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing, lady? And he gets up and starts walking around. And you hear that god-awful robot leg just beep, 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 booping all over the fucking place kind of thing. I'm like, God, the fucking, what is the point? And we'll eventually kind of see it comes into play eventually, but you still have no clue why the fuck he has it all. Spoiler alert, there's no explanation as to why he has his fucking one robot leg. Anyways, Leatherface drags Heather back inside. He throws her on the kitchen floor next to Renee. And, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he says, you know, he's in the mood for some love. And he goes in a French kiss Heather. But I guess he eats her tongue or some shit because he comes back up with a mouthful of blood. It's just disgusting. But he is, like I said, he's a creepy madman. Does a good job at it. So Darla takes Renee you know, up to her room and chase, or changes her into a different dress. And Renee asks for some help. She's doing a really shitty job of someone who's about to be murdered. Just her delivery is just not there. She kind of gradually near the end, and we'll see this becomes kind of a better heroic character. But at this point, she fucking sucks, even for just a victim of, any, of this type of film. So... She asks Darla if Matthew McConaughey kills people for his job or why the fuck he's even doing this to begin with. But she tells him he works for the people who killed JFK. So I'm like, what the fuck did I just hear? So she explains it, you know, 
it's for a secret society or some shit that's been around for a thousand or two thousand plus years. She can't even remember how long. And it's just whatever bullshit, you know, he tells chicks to get him to sleep or to get them to sleep with him. And he's a real bad boy because chicks dig bad boys, right? So anyways, you know, it's some crazy bullshit she's telling her. I mean, it's some, you know, crazy, I don't even know, just some like secret society that kind of does all this bullshit and kills people and doesn't want anybody to know about it. And he works for him and, you know, she spilled the beans and all of a sudden he hears that shit you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's freaking out. He bursts in into that room with them. He throws Darla out. He chokes Renee Zellweger some more. And he's about to slit her fucking throat before she tells him, no, 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 you want me alive. And he kind of likes what she's telling him. And he says, I'll let you live for just a little bit longer. We'll keep playing. So Leatherface comes in there and he goes to grab her and take her back in the kitchen. And, you know, McConaughey's just slapping Darla all over the place. He's just pissed and all she can say is i'm just so mad that you're embarrassing me in front of company you know so he's just trying to beat the shit out of her and you know she's just like how can you do this in front of company of all the things you know and so she's trying to retaliate she takes her fucking high heels and kind of attacks him with those and he goes down and renee zellweger spots the hillbilly shotgun and picks it up so everybody's all distracted and she's fucking gonna finally try to blow somebody away and she tells everyone to get on the ground or i'll shoot and they all listen, except for Vilmer, who continues to do more crazy shit by cutting his own chest with a knife. And, you know, he's throwing some shotgun shells at, at uh, Renee. And then he slaps Darla a few more times, of course. And he slams her fucking head against the fridge before he starts to step on her throat and try to kill her. And, I mean, like, what a great guy he is. I mean, this is just true love for sure. And, you know, I could see why Matthew McConaughey honestly didn't want people to see this film, you know. Not only because it's a piece of shit, but he probably didn't want people to know he played this kind of a bad guy or to kind of get this image of him, you know, because of this character. So I could kind of understand where he was coming from if that's what his thought process was anyways. But, you know, Renee Zellweger, she can't take any of this anymore, what's going on. It's just too fucking nuts at this point. She sticks the gun on McConaughey and she starts, she tries to pull the trigger, but nothing happens. There's no bullet in there or no sock, no shell that is. And he takes the gun and he, he points it at the window or he takes the gun from her and he starts to like kind of point around. He's pointing at the fucking window and pulls the trigger and boom. So too bad. She didn't try to pull that trigger one more time when she had the chance. So he, you know, she just missed out, damn it. And so we cue Matthew McConaughey screaming like a fucking madman. And he's, making all kinds of insane grunting noises or howling at the moon type of shit. I don't even know. It's really loud, and all he does is he does all these kinds of noises, and this this part is the only one, or it's the one that really stands out the most to me, but just, it's fucking nuts, and I don't know why he's doing it, but it's so strange, and you know by this point he's gone off the deep end for sure. And I mean, how else do you make a guy who kills people with a robot leg? I mean, you know, you make him scream with some caveman noises, and that will definitely make him even more menacing. So, Renee runs outside the house while everyone is distracted. You know, she hops in Darla's car. You know, she sees that she left the keys in there. So, how convenient of that, of course. And she tries to drive off, but good old Matthew McConaughey jumps on the hood of the car and tries to cause her to wreck. But she slams on the brakes, and he just, whoop, slips right off of there. But his facial expression as he's flying off the car is fucking hysterical and just priceless. I actually did a little rewind on this part just to kind of just see that. And I also rewound a little tirade where he's yelling. I was like, what the, what the fuck is he saying? And it was just, like I said, just a bunch of random noises. But it's so funny. And then you see this part. It's just, his little expression just kind of catches you off guard. So... Definitely within a few moments, you get a, probably the highlights of the film. But now we need to talk more of the lowlights, because that's what this mostly consists of. And, you know, she tries to drive off, but the hood pops open all of a sudden. And she can't see, so she wrecks the car. But, you know, she does get a nasty concussion in the process. So she's finally getting some boo-boos and getting banged up. And, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's not far behind, of course. You know, he, gets, he goes up and grabs her, and you know, he takes her back in the kitchen at the house. And we cut to Leatherface. And he's putting on some bright red lipstick. And he's wearing women's clothes. And, and not sure if they are his lady boobs or if he's you know got a skin outfit on. But he's definitely a C cup or at least a fat B cup. That's for sure. So, you know, he's got on the full ladies gear at this point. And, you know, back in the kitchen, Darla tells Vilmer to be nice from now on. Or she'll leave him and go crawling back to her husband. So, ew, what the hell, lady? 
You know what I mean? Probably have this great husband at home, you know, takes wonderful care of you, has a fantastic job, you know, makes good money and all this stuff. He's very supportive in anything that you want to do. And But she's out fucking around with this weirdo that says he helps people kill guys like JFK and works for dudes like Leatherface or Brother. Whatever the fuck. This movie's nuts. And so she's... An, She's just silly for even being with him. Anyways, it's Matthew McConaughey is you know her her mistress or whatever the hell you want to call that. So, and you know she finds the remote control to his robot leg and she starts mashing buttons like it's a Nintendo controller and all of a sudden he starts breaking out in some crazy dance moves and they start making out on a fucking on the table and then down on the kitchen floor. But ew, because that house is filthy. And I'm sure it smells like fucking pure hell with rotting bathtub corpses and skin shit hanging everywhere. And honestly, the place wouldn't be so bad if Leatherface wasn't such a hot mess all the time and couldn't throw his nasty skin collections out. Jeez, Leather. Anyways, they go into the dining room where there's W.E. and Leatherface ready to chow down on some pizza. And But there's also more people there with them, actually about a handful of what look like dead bodies starting to, to rot and turn green. And they're all just kind of sitting upright with their eyes closed at the table, not moving. So they they look like some fucking dead people for no odd reason. You're not sure exactly who they are. And not sure if they're relatives or maybe some previous people they caught and killed or what's going on. But, you know, McConaughey tells Renee, you know, that, hey, my bro Leatherface wants your face so he can ride around and look good all the time. So, I mean, the ones he has already aren't good enough. He needs a new one in the collection. He needs to stink out, stink up his fucking house even more than he already has. You know, but she says, you know, I'm tired of this bullshit. She slaps McConaughey a few times, which gets him pretty fucking riled up for sure. And so what's he do? He smashes W.E. in the head with a hammer and it apparently kills him. You know, and so McConaughey just kind of storms out in frustration. And then randomly, one of the people that I thought was a dead body... You know, it's this old guy sitting on the end of the table, not sure if it's grandpa or what, but he gets up and walks away from the dining room table. And it's really fucking confusing, to be honest. And he seriously looks like a zombie from the, you know, the Dawn of the Dead movie. So not sure what he was doing that whole time. I don't know if that was just like a blooper or what the hell that was. But like, did did he, does he know that he's walking away and the fucking cameras are still rolling? Like, what the hell is going on right now? And the rest of the peoples are all just remaining still, so you're like, they all look the same, they all look dead, but this one guy just randomly got up and left the dinner table, so not sure what's going on. And if, anyways, Leatherface starts screaming, of course, before Renee Zellweger tells him to shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down, so it's pretty awesome. So this is when that fucking true heroic character is kicking in, and maybe the adrenaline finally hit her, so... Because she just fucking all of a sudden is becoming a badass, and it's awesome, and it's by far you know that best the best quote of the whole film. What she's what she tells him, and I mean he just listens to her like some little puppy dog. I'm like, so that's a big problem I have with Leatherface. He can be big and scary and a menacing figure, but he's like this giant baby who doesn't know his own strength at times. So you know he's fucking throwing people on meat hooks, but then she just kind of tells him to sit the fuck down, and he just okay just lays there like you little bitch. Anyways, anyway, back to the movie. So there's a knock at the door, knock, knock, and then Matthew McConaughey goes to answer it. And it's two guys in business suits who come in and start looking around. You know, one of them's the driver, but the other guy is his head honcho. And Renee Zellweger, she sees them and she goes up pleading for help. And, you know, she's telling them, no, please, these guys are nuts. You have to get me the fuck out of her. And he tells her, you know, be calm. It's okay. And the boss guy in the suit tells Matthew McConaughey, you know, you've got one job. That's to show people the meaning of horror. So we see that Matthew McConaughey's boss, Darla, what, what she was talking about, you know, that, you know, the whole the people that killed JFK or whatever. So this must be who they're associated with. But it's it's so goddamn confusing. It really is. I mean, you don't know what who, exactly who these guys are. They don't really announce it or anything. And it's just kind of nuts. Anyways, you know, this this part here has made the movie from go from really bad to fucking stupid, honestly, because it was like that Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, which is definitely to be continued. You know, when they added that thorn curse or whatever bullshit, you, you know, you had a nice direction, the whole movie, and then you go and add this bullshit detail thrown out of nowhere. That makes no goddamn sense. It doesn't add anything good to the film at all. 
mean, if you get rid of that shit, maybe add some good kill scenes, the film isn't quite as shitty. I mean, it's still bad, but it's not as shitty. And, you know, so, you know, Halloween 6, that's, like I said, another horrible to be continued. So look forward to that in the future. And so, anyways, there's this weird cult boss or whatever, and he goes over to Renee, and he starts licking her face like a fucking ice cream cone. It is disgusting. And it's not just one little lick up and, you know, on one side. He's licking, you know, up and down and on the left and right forehead to chin and in circles. And it's totally disgusting. And it's about 12 seconds too long, that's for sure. So, anyways, he eventually leaves, but he tells, you know... Matthew McConaughey, you know, you better get your shit right going forward. And, you know, McConaughey, after he leaves... the boss man leaves, you know, he's not too happy and about the way things went down and he has to right the wrong. So he starts by killing Heather finally. You know, this poor girl has been dragged around. She's been locked in a box, hung on a hook, beaten with a stick, set on fire, slapped around. And now her head is being stomped on by this robot leg until her fucking head just sounds like it pops. And so, but sadly, we don't get to see it. We just see this fucking grunting look on uh, Matthew McConaughey's face and where he squishes this fucking head of Miss Heather. So we hear Heather's head deflating and Renee's being forced to watch all this. She's totally disgusted. She can't hardly keep her eyes open. And then out of nowhere, Matthew McConaughey has a total meltdown. He just starts crying and has this knife and cuts himself all to shit. And Darla freaks out for her lover boy's safety. She just runs and tries to stop him. And, of course, Leatherface is freaking out for his brother's safety, too. And he's screaming all over the place. And Renee Zellweger realizes this is her chance to get away. And so she tries to bolt. But McConaughey manages to grab her leg. And he won't let her quite get away. And she doesn't know what to do. So she just grabs one of those remotes to his leg. And she's pushing every button, hoping it triggers anything. And it sure enough does. He gets up, starts twitching and doing the robot dance and he just can't quite get over to Renee and all that shit. So she fucking finally flees the scene, gets out of there, runs out the front door and, you know, McConaughey's like, Leatherface, you know, he tells him to go get it, go get her, run after her, but he calls him Leather. I'm like, what the hell is that? Is that a family nickname or is his first name actually Leather, the last name Face? So Mr. Face, first name Leather, nice to meet you. So I'm like, what the hell's up with that? But anyways, you know, she manages to make it to a road where she sees this uh, old couple in an RV and she's banging on their door, you know, begging for them to open it up. But at first they won't do it. They're like, oh, we don't pick up hitchhikers. They're crazy people. So, but then they notice she's being chased by a guy with a chainsaw. So they feel bad for her, I suppose. They open up the door, they let her in, but they say, keep that freakazoid out there with the chainsaw. And so they manage to drive off and escape him. But about 10-ish seconds later... Here comes Matthew McConaughey and Leatherface in that tow truck, and they are trying to fucking, you know, scare the old couple, and they try to run them off the road, and they eventually do. They actually make their RV flip over, and it crashes, and it just totally spoils this old couple's cross-country summer excursion. And RIP to them, because I believe, I'm pretty sure they died in this scene, because you definitely don't see them again throughout the film. They don't manage to pop up, or you don't hear them choking for air or anything, but... Good old Renee, she pops out of the RV, though, and she's totally fine. Maybe a little scratch, finally, but, you know, she just keeps running for her life. And when out of nowhere, this yellow plane that someone is flying swoops down and smashes Matthew McConaughey in the face. And it kills him instantly. So his robot leg has one last little twitch, and it dies a sad, sad death, too. But I'm like, that is a fucking weird way to kill somebody and very random and they don't explain that either so you don't know who's flying this fucking yellow plane it's awfully small and random and it's like what a shitty way to kill somebody in a movie that's just kind of dumb i mean it didn't even seem like it was that graphic it just kind of bonked him in the nose and he fell over but he guess it had killed him so you know leatherface you know stops dead in his tracks as soon as he sees you know mcconaughey on the ground and he's been killed and he starts wailing and just, it's more a wail, wailing and bawling than it is just a scream at this point. So it's a real ugly crying sound. And then Renee Zellweger sees some limo pull up and it's that crazy cult guy boss that licked her face. And at first she's freaked out, but he tells her, don't worry, 
you know, I, you're fine. My plan failed ultimately. And so I was a little confused, honestly, what he was trying to say by all this. I mean, what he was getting at with this whole conversation, but kind of based off of that. And, you know, in the conversation with Matthew McConaughey earlier, it kind of sounds like they, they do arrange for people to be captured or something and torture others as some kind of sick experiment or whatever. So not a hundred percent sure they don't really explain it. And I'm, but when I've heard from other people, they're all like, yeah, man, it was a great movie until this point, And then it was confusing as fuck. They don't, ex- they just, what the hell ending kind of is, shit is that? And that's exactly what I was thinking. What a okay movie. What a bad movie for the most part. It was okay, honestly, up until this point. And then it just, with the whole cult shit or secret society or whatever, it was just fucking ridiculous. That's what made this movie really suck and hard to follow. So... Anyways, you know, he says the experiment was way off, and, you know, he offers to take her to, her ho- to some hospital for help. And we cut to the hospital, and it's another confusing thing that happens because a cop is trying to talk to her, and he says he will get to the bottom of all this or whatever. But the confusing thing is when some random girl on a gurney just rolls past him, and they share this extra-long glance with each other, as if, you know, Renee and this girl somehow know each other or whatever, and it's supposed to be some important character that we're supposed to maybe know somehow or whatever. But honestly, I don't remember this this lady from the, on, that's on the gurney. I don't think she was in the film. So it's very confusing. Um, I don't think she was one of those creepy dead people that just walked off. So it definitely wasn't one of them. So, <laughs> and... I was like, what the fuck is up with that? You know, the last 10 minutes or so are just one big fucking mess. It just gets more confusing and more confusing with each scene and every last little bit of dialogue. If they would have just left that shit out and maybe just, I don't know how you would have killed McConaughey. Maybe you still have the fucking dude in a plan that just accidentally did that shit or whatever. I don't know. Beats the fucking other bullshit they try to add with the society nonsense. But anyways, the film ends with a final shot of Leatherface swinging his chainsaw all over the place out in the hot sun. So, gotta have him wielding the chainsaw. And end credits. Whew, that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. So, yeah guys, next generation. I'm an 80s baby, grew up in the 90s. I maybe consider that next gen or whatever, you know, Gen X, if you will. I hated this fucking film when I was younger, when they, you know, I was, they're going for a demographic a little bit older than my age group, you know, teenagers primarily, and I was a little bit under that, but still, you know, whore fan, you still, you know, managed to bait me in, and it, I was disappointed, I really didn't know too much about, you know, Matthew McConaughey or Renee Zellweger at that time, I mean, I knew that I had seen him, heard of him, but I wasn't a fan, I was still too young, but... I was like, man, this film just is fucking goofy. It's not scary. It's it's very confusing. And as an adult, I went back and watched it recently, and I'm like, God, this movie still is exactly what I thought. It's fucking weird. It's confusing. It's not scary. It's a little bit laughable now that I can appreciate some of the humor and just some of the oddballness to it all, but it's and it's really campy, and it's just, oh my gosh, it is just a bad fucking film, but... I, I'll be honest, I watched it, and I kind of have the Texas Chainsaw fever now, though, because it makes me want to go back and watch them all. You know, I've, I've seen the original one maybe only a handful of times, and it's been a while, so I really want to go back and check that out. I've seen the remake a bunch of times. I do enjoy that one. Um, I've seen some of the newer ones a little bit. They're not as good, but I want to see those. And the second one, I like I said, I've, I've seen it once. It's, it was Really fucking weird from what I remember, but I'd love to check it out. And the third one, I've never seen it, and it's from 1990. I was doing a little bit of reading on it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And it's from uh, it's from New Line, and so the way that the trailer goes, and they kind of say, you know, it's, you know, the house that Freddy built or whatever brings you now Leatherface, and it's like, oh, cool, so they're going to have a different kind of twist on this fucking shit. The trailer made it look fucking silly as hell, so I'm pretty sure that's what you're going to get, especially around that time that they were make, pumping out these kind of movies. But anyways... You know, as crazy, as stupid as this movie it was, you know, I was entertained. You know, the movie doesn't sit still long enough to, to even get bored. And by, you know, even though the deaths are weak and there's no blood, they are a little creative at times. And it's it's fun, you know, especially the reaction to Matthew McConaughey throughout the whole fucking film. So, I mean, it's creative kills. They're not bloody, but they're fun. You know, he runs over that guy 20 times. It's laughable, if anything. So it's a horror comedy, I'm telling you. Anyways, if I were to give it a one to a five star recommendation, I'm going with three stars. So a little better than average in a weird way. I still don't like this movie, 
but I also still don't dislike this movie, so it's really kind of hard to explain or justify. Um, there's things about this movie that are likable and keep me interested, but there's just so much other shit going on at the same time that makes it really, really unbearable. And I really believe this film was intended to be a horror comedy. Like I said, I just just based on that dialogue because I understand that this family is nuts, but they really, you know, just they're really the fuck out there, even with each other. They're just the dialogue is just too extreme for me to even grasp as being serious and scary. So, but three stars in that you know it's it's not the worst horrible movie, and that I maybe have ever watched, but you know. It's it's not the best either. It's not the worst. It's not the best, but it's it's there. And I think you know if you haven't seen it, you should check it out at least once. And if you've seen it before, maybe go back and rewatch it because you might find some things that you do kind of appreciate about it. You know, like I said, you know the robot leg. I kind of forgot about that when I was younger, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. This shit's nuts. So and then just the the howling and the hooting. I I remember that part specifically, and it was great to see that again years later. So just fucking even if you want to just watch it for the ho- the the hooting hollering kind of shit, just do it for that. And. Anyways, that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, the next episode's clue, and hey guys, do you prefer the top or the bottom? Because we are talking the top three and bottom three films of Matthew McConaughey, and we're going to put a final nail in the coffin of America's Sweetheart Month. And like I said earlier, you guys help decide who America's sweetheart is, Matthew McConaughey. And he's very deserving of this incredible achievement, I might add. So thank you guys again for helping voting on that. And, you know, I'll do a quick summary on each of the films that, you know, cracked that list. You know, how and why they got to that ranking and maybe throw an honorable mention in or, or even two for fun. Um, you know, till then, though, guys, make sure to check out the show's page on Facebook. Just search Guilty Pleasure Movies, like and message, or tweet me at GPM underscore podcast. And also, make sure to leave some feedback on iTunes. You know, if that's where you listen to the show, please and thank you all in advance. And anyways, gang, as always, thanks for tuning in and to be continued. Thank you.